0: it is thursday october 21st here at draft shark studios in rochester new york welcome to the week seven preview podcast i'm your host matt shop with me as always is jared small and jared Carolina at the Giants Panthers by three over under a 43 for this one that tells you how exciting it is let's start with the Giants injuries first no Kadarius Tony on Wednesday because of his ankle injury Kenny Galladay remains out Darius Slayton practice but on a limited basis he's dealing with a hamstring hasn't played since week three and then even John Ross was out of practice Wednesday <laughs> with a hamstring injury so If you're a Giants wide receiver, you should just be sitting in a room by yourself somewhere protecting your hamstrings. I think that the takeaway here is that Sterling Shepard is about to get 27 targets.
1: Yeah. And Galladay and Tony were out again on Thursday. So I I actually just removed them from our rankings a a few minutes ago. Um, So it's going to be Shepard, hopefully Slate. And then, you know, Dante Pettis was super involved last week. We'll see if John Ross makes it back. But yeah, I mean, Shepard. 9, 10, and 14 targets in his three healthy games this season. 27.5% of Daniel Jones' total attempts. Carolina just 20th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. So Shepard's like a wide receiver, too, I'd feel really good about this week.
0: And Azar Ahmed told us in the YouTube chat that John Ross did practice today. So maybe we will get saved from Dante Pettis getting 11 targets, at least this time. And really on that front, I mean, this should be an upside volume spot for Evan Ingram, but the giants aren't giving it to him. He's seen six, six, four and five targets in his four games back. He has 21 total targets in four games. Dante Pettis got 11 last week. That's how much Jason Garrett hates Evan Ingram. I can only assume it's because of the hair.
1: That's telling that, you know, he hasn't been able to get more than six targets with all these wide receiver injuries around him. The Giants threw a, a bunch of passes last week. Um, Ingram's 18th in expected fantasy points among tight ends since he returned. Um, Carolina's seventh in football outsiders tight end coverage rankings. Just not, not a good spot for the Giants offense in general. So, I mean, Ingram's an option for for some teams, but he, you know, he's definitely outside our, our top 12 tight ends for this week.
0: Yeah, he's not a
1: target. He's somebody
0: if you need a tight
1: end and you're looking down there, sure, it's Evan Engram.
0: By the way, Jared, we didn't really talk about him before leaving the Browns game, but Brian Draper in Facebook wants to know, is Donovan Peoples-Jones going to score a touchdown tonight, which means either will he catch a Hail Mary or will he run over a quarterback <laughs> and steal his soul? and
1: yeah, capable of either. Um, yeah, I mean, I, he's, you know, for showdown, I, I think he might be a better play than Jarvis Landry tonight, just not knowing, you know, how healthy Landry is in his first game back. So I like DPJ for showdown, and he's, you know, a fringe option for season long. Yeah, I would try to avoid him, but, you know, if you're looking deep
0: enough where you're at like the bottom of wide receiver four range or wide receiver five, then certainly there's upside, as we saw last week. Uh, getting back to the Giants game, though. Uh, Just like last week, Devontae Booker squarely in the mix because of all the missing running backs and really totally on volume last just like last week, he's facing a tough defense against the Rams last week, 12 carries four targets in that game did catch all those for a nice 69 total yards.
1: Yeah, it was, you know, kind of the usage we expected for Booker it was um, annoying seeing Elijah Penny steal the, the one goal line touchdown for the Giants, but, you know, Booker got 12 of the 15 running back carries. He played 72% of the snaps. He finished um, 24th among running backs and expected fantasy points last week um, that, you know, Carolina's first and adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs but football outsiders has them just 18th in run defense. So, you know, it's, it's not a matchup I'm running away from, um, you know, Booker doesn't have exciting upside, but. You know, he's he's going to get 15-plus touches, which you know th- this week is kind of all you can ask for out of a running back. Right. He looks like a bronzed statue with that kind of touch outlook this <laughs> week.
0: Panthers side, Sam Darnold might have used up all of his magic over the first four weeks because he's been really bad over the past two. That included 41 and half percent completions against the Vikings last time out. Did run for 48 yards, so as long as he keeps being Jalen Hurts, maybe he'll be okay. <laughs> also, turn the ball over twice, though. It, it, Sam Darnold looks similar to Daniel Jones. In that he's a mix of upside and downside, probably has a higher ceiling than Daniel Jones because he at least has some healthy receivers to work with. But both of them have the kind of floor that could really hurt your team.
1: Totally, yeah. Um, Healthier receivers for Darnold, better matchup for him too. I mean, that, that's the only reason I'm like semi interested in him, and you know why he you know sits like borderline quarterback one territory in our rankings. Um, Giants 22nd in Football Outsiders past D, they're 27th in adjusted points allowed. To quarterbacks, but yeah, Darnold's been bad for three straight weeks now. He did have some drops last week. Um, PFF charged both DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson with three drops apiece, so that definitely hurt the final numbers. But um, you you had Matt Rule this week, you know, talk about wanting to you know reestablish the run um, this week. You know, probably because Darnold is playing so poorly, so. Um, that might that makes me like Chuba Hubbard, um, who, you know, if you have, you're probably starting him regardless. Man, he He's gotten nice usage. He's been top 15 among running backs and expected fantasy points in the last two weeks now. And this matchup is also good for him on the ground. So um, Hubbard, I believe, sits inside the top 12 in our, uh, our running back rankings this week.
0: Yeah, and after a worrisome game at Dallas in the first start after the Christian McCaffrey injury, he's had forty carries, nine targets over the past two weeks. That was ninety-one percent of the running back carries for the team over that span. 82% of the running back targets. So, you know, first game out, it looked like Rodney, we're like, oh no, is Rodney Smith gonna take the receiving stuff away from Chuba Hubbard? No, that was a a one-game blip. So I agree. Chuba Hubbard is a pretty safe start this week. Robbie Anderson. You mentioned had the drops last week has had plenty of those this year has also had some erratic passing from his QB. If he's ever going to do it this season, it is this week. And if it doesn't happen this week, then it is officially time to completely give up on 2021. Robbie Anderson, only seven wide receivers have seen more targets than Anderson over the past three weeks. And they are Tyree kill Cooper cup, Cortland Sutton, Devante Adams, Antonio Brown, Terry McLaurin, and DJ Moore. yet. Despite tying for eighth among wideouts and targets, Anderson is tied for 48th in receptions. He ranks 78th in yards. Now he at least runs into a Giants defense that's giving the third largest scoring boost to wide receivers by our adjusted fantasy points allowed. So again, if Robbie Anderson is going to do it at all this year, it's this week.
1: Yeah. You know, it, as fantasy analysts, we're definitely supposed to tell you that like, you know, it's going to start breaking in Anderson's favor with this usage he's getting. Um it's just, and it's, it's, I think we talked about this last week, but it's, you know, it's not like we've never seen this guy do it before. It's not like he didn't have any chemistry with Sam Darnold coming into the season. So it's just strange that they're, they've been this inefficient. He's a guy I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to use Anderson in fantasy lineup this week, but you know, again, the usage has been there. I know there's all these teams on by. So, um, and like you said, the matchup is good. So he's definitely an option. If you need him, he's, Someone I, I'd kind of want to see it from first before I trust him in lineups, though.
0: I would start Robbie Anderson this week over any Browns wideout.
1: Yes, I would, too, including Jarvis Landry. Uh,
0: and then I think the only other guy I didn't really mention this game, Daniel Jones, I, I talked about his upside downside, but just to put it in some context, I dropped him this week in my FFPC main event league to pick up Matt Ryan
1: to start in this place. I mean, last week was ugly. It was his it was his first bad game of the year. Like He had been playing well in real life and fantasy before last week, but just With his history, you you just worry if, you know, old Daniel Jones is going to come back after last week. And this matchup is on the tougher side against Carolina. So um, if you made me pick between these two quarterbacks in this game, I would lean towards Sam Darnold.
0: And plus, even though he was playing well before the New Orleans game, he wasn't really scoring particularly well in fantasy. So there's not even that to kind of lean on. So, yeah, lots of downside and lots of other guys with similar to better upside. Kansas city at Tennessee chiefs by five and a half over under of 57 and a half. So a game we want some players from on the Chiefs side, Travis Kelsey, Tyree kill both managing injuries. I think we should expect both to play. Travis Kelsey put in a limited practice Wednesday. Tyree kill did not practice, but he started out last week, not practicing as well. Ended up being fine in that game against Washington. The Titans are the most favorable matchup for QB scoring in the league and second best for wide receivers. So, I mean, it's a great spot for a chiefs offense we already love and really the matchup only kind of matters for Nicole Hardman. Cause we're just wondering whether he's going to get the targets.
1: Yeah, Hardman has um, finished as a top 38 fantasy wideout in three of the past four weeks now. He's gone wide receiver 34, 72, 20th, and then 38th. Um, you know, his his like playing time hasn't really changed. Um, he's still sitting just 40th among wide receivers and expected fantasy points. But yeah, if we you know think Mahomes is gonna have a massive game here, which I do, um, Hardman should be a part of that, especially with Tyreek. Hill. I mean, he put up the big numbers last He had he had nine catches, seventy-six yards, and a score, but his playing time was definitely limited. He only played fifty-seven percent of Kansas city's offensive snaps. And like you said, he didn't practice on Wednesday. So, and we'll see if that snap rate climbs, but you know, any, any time he's off the field, can't hurt McCall Hardman's chances.
0: Yeah, certainly the matchup Tyreek Hill situation and missing their starting running back certainly can't hurt the chances for McCall Hardman to get those opportunities. Speaking of the running back situation, Darrell Williams got the start last week with Clyde Edwards dealer out got 87 and percent of the running back carries 50% of the running back targets split those with Jarek McKinnon. So we'll take that kind of split from Daryl Williams. He sits inside our top 10 at running back across formats for week seven.
1: Williams got as good. I didn't go back and look, but he got as good or better usage than Clyde Edwards has ever gotten as the chiefs lead back. Um, Williams finished fourth among running backs in expected fantasy points last week. He finished seventh among running backs in, in actual fantasy points. Um, and excellent spot here against Tennessee. So I think Williams belongs as a top twelve fantasy back this week.
0: On the Titans side, I don't think there's anything sneaky. We're going to have to watch
1: Julio Jones's hamstring. Uh, I wouldn't want to use him at this point, even if he's active. Though, what about you? I'd be surprised if he's active. I mean, if a guy misses two games with a hammy, then re-injures it. You know, usually they end up missing at least the same amount of time with the with the aggravation. So I would not bank on Julio playing. Um, that only helps A.J. Brown, who you know, usage was even better last week than it was in his week five return. And the, produ- the production followed you know, after the goose egg in the first half of that game. Uh, ended up with a, with a strong fantasy outing. Looks good. Um, and obviously a good matchup here for A.J. Brown. Yeah, that was weird. He had nothing in the first half on one target,
0: and then he had an awesome game in the second half, seven catches for 91 yards on eight targets. So the game script should be similarly in his favor um, this week. So, yeah, I certainly like the idea of starting A.J. Brown. It's also an upside spot for Ryan Tannehill. The Chiefs are still a positive matchup for quarterback scoring, even though Taylor Heineke let us down last week.
1: Yeah, it's a good spot. You got to hope you get some increased passing volume from Tannehill, which – should happen if Tennessee's playing from behind, but, um, you know, he, he hasn't gotten that the, the last two meetings against the chiefs, these teams have played each of the past, each of the previous two seasons. Um, Tannehill went uh, for 181 yards and two touchdowns on 19 pass attempts in that first meeting in 2019. And then last year, 209 yards and two touchdowns on 31 pass attempts. Um, so, you know, Tennessee has been able to just ride Derek Henry in these games. Um, but I mean, you know, even, you know, even those games from Tannehill, he scored, twice in both of them so those won't kill you and then if you do get you know 35 40 past attempts he could really have a, a spike week
0: yeah you gotta know there's some downside risk but he's he's i think like eighth in our quarterback rankings right now basically everybody from there down to 15 yes. is the same kind of deal where there's some downside and there's some upside and probably not a high ceiling beyond that qb seven or eight spot yes yep New York Jets at the New England Patriots. The Pats by seven and a half over under a 43. Honestly, this looks like a gross game to me. I mean, <laughs> there's nothing you can trust on the Jets side. Corey Davis is in play, but he's no lock to lead the team in targets. Trailed Jameson Crowder in Crowder's first game of the season and then only beat Crowder by one target the last time out against the Falcons. So uh, the Pats haven't been good in coverage lately. They have fallen from, I think they were second in pass defense DVOA two weeks ago. And then they got shredded by Davis Mills and Dak Prescott. I think that there's still the capacity that they play tough in pass defense. And really it's like just enough that I don't want to play jets anyway. So maybe it's, you know, a little bit more reason not to.
1: Yeah. And this is the second meeting between these two teams. They played in week two and, you know, Zach Wilson was a disaster 210 yards, zero TDs, four interceptions. You know, we'll, we'll see coming out of the bye week. um, You know, maybe that, maybe that helps. Um, And I do agree like New England's a beatable, pass defense but um you can't really trust any of these wide receivers i do think davis is the best bet if you're if you need to use one um, i'm hoping elijah moore gets it going coming out of the bye here because he's been super disappointing so far
0: yeah but certainly no reason to believe that it's going to happen yet so yeah no. uh yeah we'll see i think on the oh before we get away from the Jets side um also a top 10 defense in dvoa for the patriots michael carter ty johnson tevin coleman though are all still involved i mean Michael Carter first among them, but it's really just an effort situation.
1: I mean, as we've been saying, Carter has, he's emerged as the lead back here. And the other guys are still involved. It's still a committee, Uh, but Carter has 14, 12, 16, and 13 opportunities over the last four games now. So again, you know, it's kind of Dearness Johnson level volume for Michael Carter, probably going to be inefficient because he's on the Jets offense.
0: Mm-hmm. On the Patriots side, Jacoby Myers remains fine. I think Hunter Henry is decent for his position. Just two targets last week, but that was a season low for him. Touchdowns mm-hmm. in three straight, and five plus targets in three straight games before last week.
1: A yeah, season high route rate for Hunter Henry last week at seventy seven percent. It's kind of been trending up over the last four weeks now. Um, you know, there just wasn't much passing volume to be had in New England last week, but um, he's he's still a pretty good. Bat you know, relatively speaking this week and the Jets are twenty-second in adjusted points allowed to tight ends. Football outside football outsiders has them twenty-first in tight end coverage. So it's a nice individual matchup for Henry too.
0: Yeah, not much play volume in general for the Patriots last week, but mm-hmm. Damian Harris was nice. 18 carries, 101 yards, a touchdown in that game. He's off the injury report this week after playing through a week six questionable tag for a rib injury. So he should be good to go as a fantasy option. At least Brandon Bolden came away from that game with a thigh issue. And even before that, uh, it looks like maybe Ramondre Stevenson has kind of replaced him as that number two running back.
1: Yeah. Stevenson um, was there. Yeah, was their pass catching back last week. He led Patriots running backs in pass routes. He led them with three targets um, had five carries for 23 yards and a score. Um, I mean, you're, you're going to need more from Stevenson for him to be a real fantasy factor. I still think he's an interesting stash, but not really a starting option. Now. Like you said, Damon Harris you know, stepped back into that lead role last week, had 18 of New England's 24 running back carries. He went for 62 yards and a score on 16 carries against the Jets back in week two. The Jets are 29th in adjusted points allowed to running backs.
0: Yeah. I think Stevenson is slightly more interesting than Brandon Bolden because he would take more carries if Damian Harris goes down. But yeah, I don't think that he's a, a real starting option right now. It is worth mentioning he had five carries, three targets and just 18 snaps against Dallas. So did get the ball a fairly high percentage of the time he was on the field for whatever that's worth. Cincinnati at Baltimore Ravens by six and a half over under 46 and a half a week after allowing Carson Wentz to throw for 390 and yielding a season high 513 total yards to the Colts. The Ravens held the Chargers to a season low 208 total yards and six points. I think when you balance out those two games right next to each other, I would say don't upgrade any Bengals passing game options or avoid them, Mm -hmm. lean away from using them if close, but it's certainly not a matchup that you have to stay away from.
1: I mean, the scary thing to me is that the Bengals have a 20 point implied total. Like I, I bet on them beating that, but you know, Vegas, Vegas is Vegas for a reason. They tend to be right about this stuff. So that has me shying away from the offense a little bit. And that's that Joe, Joe Burrow is playing awesome. You know, his, his efficiency, he's fifth in the NFL in completion rate. Fourth in yards per attempt, fourth in touchdown rate, seventh in quarterback rating. You know, he's been just okay in fantasy because the volume hasn't been there. But that that volume has been coming up. Um, they have the Bengals have finished top fifteen in situation neutral pass rate in three straight weeks now. Burrow has thirty three passes per game over that span after having just twenty five passes per game over the first three. So if that if that maintains, then I think you know he's back as a lower end quarterback one um, most weeks. And this matchup too. So Baltimore is the third blitz-heaviest defense in the NFL. Burrow has the second-highest PFF grade against the blitz this season. He's been good when blitz, so um, this matchup might kind of play into his favor.
0: I wonder if that combo plays into Tyler Boyd's favor by making him attractive as a shorter-range target. I I can't say that... I can't say that I like it enough to actually take a, a shot on him unless I'm looking well down the rankings and like wide receiver four territory and and looking for somebody with some upside. I think there is a chance at volume upside. At the same time, Tyler Boyd hasn't topped 62 receiving yards in a game against the Ravens since 2018.
1: Yeah, and his his usage has been disappointing alongside T. Higgins. You know, in in the, in the uh, four games. Higgins has played this season just 5.3 targets per game for Boyd in those. You know he he needs a lot more than that to deliver just the type of you know short range player he is. But he, he does have the best matchup here against slot corner Tavon Young. Um, he's 80th among 97 corners in PFF's coverage grades. And like you said, that the you know Burrow having to get the ball out quicker against the blitz could kind of feed into to Boyd's hands too. So he he's he's an option. Um, but again, the floor is so low just because the volume he's gotten in years past is not there anymore. Yes, I think you can use it as a tiebreaker
0: against guys similarly in wide receiver four range, but not a reason to get excited about Tyler Boyd this week. Easily, by far, the the, um, weakest coverage spot for the Ravens has been running back so far. So maybe that helps Joe Mixon, who has been helping himself pretty well this season.
1: Yeah, I mean, the carry volume has been there every week. The targets have been all over the place. It was nice to see him get back up to six targets Last week, we'll see if that continues. But I mean, he's he's averaging twenty point two carries in his five healthy games this season. So that that alone makes him you know an, an easy start. Let's hope
0: Samaje Pirine's return from the COVID list does not siphon any targets from that total. On the Baltimore side, Latavius Murray no practice Wednesday because of his ankle injury. I think if Murray is out for this game, Devontae Freeman is disturbingly in play for fantasy lineups, and you know we'll see in that eventuality what the role is for Tyson Williams.
1: Yeah, I would imagine if Murray's out, and I do think Murray's going to miss. Um, Dr. Chow thinks he's dealing with a high ankle sprain. You know, the team hasn't confirmed that yet, but if that's the case, he's definitely not playing this week. But so if, if Latavius is out, I would imagine Tyson will be active. I have no idea how touches and snaps will be divvied. Um Le'Veon Bell actually out-snapped Devontae Freeman 22 to 21 last week. Um, Freeman had, one more carry and he had two targets to Bell, zero. It's, it's going to be a committee like Freeman's probably the best bet, but like, you know, don't expect more than like 12 carries and, and a few targets.
0: And similar to Cleveland, don't assume that you know more than you do, because we are all guessing about this based on some varied situations to this point. We've seen Tyson Williams be the backfield leader. We've seen, as you just mentioned, a pretty even split in playing time between Devontae Freeman and Le'Veon Bell. All we really know is that none of these guys is exciting and none of them should climb too far up your rankings. Yes. Sammy Watkins still not practicing Wednesday after missing last week as well. Uh, That, doesn't really matter so much for whether he's in lineups, but it leaves more room if he's still out this game for Rashad Bateman, who
1: saw some solid usage in his debut for the year. I mean, the the fantasy production wasn't huge because Baltimore's passing game didn't do much. It kind of didn't need to in that game against the Chargers, but um, six targets for Bateman that tied for the team lead, twenty two percent target share. The playing time was decent for his you know first game, sixty five percent of the snaps, sixty seven percent of the routes. I would expect that to just grow from here. Um, you know, better spot here, you know, should be increased passing volume you'd think out of Baltimore. So I, I think Bateman's right in play um, as a wide receiver three this week, obviously some risk and just his second game, but I mean, we, we know he's a big talent. There better be more passing this week after I started Lamar Jackson over Dak Prescott last week. Sure. <laughs>
0: Washington at green Bay Packers by nine and a half over under 49. The Packers are implied for 29.25 points. It's fifth on the slate. The first team, as you go down the rankings, that's not in the 30-point range. The gap between them and number six, Baltimore, though, is pretty sizable. So, uh, like the scoring outlook for the Packers in this one. And Devontae Adams' owners could really use a bounce-back game from him. Not that you're thinking about sitting him, but it was disappointing to see him not deliver big numbers for us last week.
1: He's had, he's had three games like that. You know, he's, he's finished wide receiver 52, wide receiver 34, and wide receiver 28. So, you know, despite the volume, he's been sort of a volatile weekly producer. But you're obviously starting him here, um, Washington 32nd in adjusted points allowed to wide receivers. MVS eligible to return this week. I haven't heard if he's going to yet, but that's that's exciting for my best ball teams at least. Um, I think the other fringy guy here would be A.J. Dillon, um, who, you know, 16, 12, and then 11 opportunities over – the past three weeks now um, he did set a season high with a 42% snap rate last week. So, you know, I'm, I'm not like super worried about Aaron Jones yet because of Dylan, but I think Dylan's seeing enough work in this week and, and in this matchup where, you know, he, he could be an RB three or flex option for you this week.
0: Yeah. 11 plus touches in each of those games, playing time has been up over the past three weeks. So, you know, normally it'd be like, okay, this is somebody to watch, but this week it's legitimately somebody to consider using in a lot of places. I agree on the Washington side. No Antonio Gibson, no Terry McLaurin, no Ricky Seals-Jones at Wednesday's practice. It's the shin issue for Gibson as it has been for weeks. We'll kind of see where he is with that this week uh, after his playing time was down last week. Terry McLaurin is the hamstring, which was supposed to be an abundance of caution over the weekend. and He ended up playing through, so we'll see where that goes this week. And Ricky Seals-Jones was a quad issue. He played every
1: snap in the game last week, yeah. though. so I'm
0: I'm going to choose to not be concerned about that right now.
1: And the Washington beat writers were saying that McLaurin, RSJ, and Gibson were all back at practice on Thursday. So, um, you know, McLaurin and RSJ, I wasn't worried about to begin with. It looks like Gibson's going to keep trying to play through this stress fracture in his shin. I, I don't know what you do with him if you have him. Like he, there's the fl- like the floor is so low now because he could just leave any game early because you know trouble with that shin. So tough spot. Yeah, look
0: into trading him. I wouldn't just unload him for you know, whatever you can get, make sure it's something useful. But somebody asked earlier today in our discord, uh, should I trade Antonio Gibson for Calvin Ridley or Antonio Brown? And I said, yes, either one Ridley first.
1: Easy. Yes. Easy. Mm-hmm. Yes. Anything else from this game? Um, I think JD McKissick is interesting now, um, you know, already playing a big role in the passing game. And, you know, the, he's not going to be a, even a 15 carry guy. I don't think, but Washington shown that they'll give him, you know, eight, 10 carries per game. If you, add that on to, you know, five, six, seven targets. You know He definitely becomes interesting, especially in PPR. This is such a rough week that JD McKissick didn't even stand out to me
0: as somebody you need to talk about. It was just like, yeah, JD <laughs> McKissick him. is definitely in the starter mix this week.
1: Yeah, I believe he's in the top 25 of our PPR uh, running back rankings. He's core Patterson
0: this week. Oh, Atlanta at Miami. This opened with the Dolphins as a one-point favorite. Now it's at two and a half in favor of the road Falcons. So that's disrespectful to Miami. Fresh, <laughs> fresh off a trip to London, that usually means a buy the next week. Disrespected by the NFL. If I were a coach, I would be trying to plant <laughs> well, that as a chip on all their shoulders.
1: I might be wrong about this, but I think I read back in the summer that the the NFL gave teams the option whether they wanted their buy after the London London game or not. And Miami evidently chose. Not to take it and to get it later on in the season, but it's it's definitely a factor. I think. I, mean, I don't have we seen a team playing after the week in London? i I think this might be the first time. And you know, you and on top of that, you have Atlanta coming off a of bye week, so they're extra rested. Um, so that that definitely might have something to do with the line movement in this game.
0: Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what happens between these two teams, but that's, I mean, this game's not overly exciting anyway, so it's good to add some intrigue to it. Matt Ryan (laughs) has actually been solid since his horrid opener against Mm -hmm. Philly two plus touchdown passes in each of the four games. Since then, he's been over 240 yards passing and 19 fantasy points in each of those games as well. Miami, meanwhile, started pretty well on defense, but now is a slightly positive scoring matchup for QBs. So, I mean, I kind of started out the year thinking you, Matt Ryan. And now it's like, oh, I guess I got to change my mind about Matt Ryan. He's okay.
1: Yeah, he's actually in his last two games, he's finished second and fourth among quarterbacks in PFF passing grade. So he's, he's playing well on top of the, the fantasy points starting to come. Um, he gets Calvin Ridley back this week. Um, we'll see about Miami's top two corners, Xavier Howard and Byron Jones, who both missed that Jags game. Um, you know, that that's what turns this into a really strong matchup. If they're both out again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Calvin
0: Ridley is back. It's somewhat quiet start to the year, but only because we had lofty expectations for him. He's had eight mm-hmm. plus targets, five plus catches in each of the first four games, 10 plus targets and seven plus catches in each of his past three. And Matt Ryan, the past two times out has posted his two highest average depth of targets and mm-hmm. two highest PFF passing grades of the season in those games, even though we didn't have Ridley for one of those games. So uh, a good spot for Calvin Ridley to be coming back to, and maybe the last, I don't know. Last best chance to try for a
1: buy low on him. Yeah, I think Ridley is going to you know kind of have his breakout game of the season on Sunday. Like you said, the usage has been there. He's actually fourth among wideouts in expected fantasy points per game. You know, he just really hasn't. I don't. Know, does he have a touchdown? You might have like one touchdown. Yeah. He hasn't made many big plays. um, but you know, all the usage you want to see has been there. He's still a good player. Matt Ryan's playing better. Again, Miami's corners both dealing with injuries. So it's, it's a really nice spot for Ridley. He's someone I'm going to be using in uh, DFS tournaments this week for sure. Kyle Pitts is an every week
0: starter. And that's especially true after last time out, he delivered a big one for us in week five. And then the backfield, we have to sort out Mike Davis. I mean, this week, he looks like Eddie George, just because we know he's <laughs> going to get carries. He yeah. got fewer than Cordero Patterson the last time they were both on the field, though.
1: Yeah, first time all season. It uh, was fourteen carries for Patterson to thirteen for Mike Davis. Patterson's role was way expanded in that London game. I think that was at least partly due to Kelvin Ridley being out, at least as far as the passing game usage goes. He saw nine targets in that game. Uh, but again, the fact that he outcarried Mike Davis, that's interesting. You know, we'll we'll see what Atlanta does with the backfield coming out of the bye week. Now, I, I would not be surprised if it's you know at least basically a 50 50 split and carries between Davis and Patterson. Yeah.
0: I'm certainly not worried about Patterson's role coming out of the bye, even with Calvin Ridley and Russell Gage coming back uh, because the way that he's played so far and the way the whole offense has looked, they would be stupid to not keep him heavily involved, but you know, it'll be interesting to see if they say, all right, we're going to make sure that Patterson gets more snaps and touches going forward or, we're going to scale him back so we don't overwork him and wear him out for the later part of the year now that we have some more help back at wideout. Yep. Russell Gage is back, as you mentioned. I'm not sure how much that means. <laughs> uh, we will see what that effect has on Patterson. We'll see whether Russell Gage gets any targets. But you got to be looking really well down the list for Russell Gage to be even semi-interesting, I think. Well down the list. On the Miami side, Devontae Parker put in a limited Wednesday practice dealing with shoulder and hamstring issues. So we'll see whether he can make it back. Preston Williams was limited. We'll see if he's back. Will Fuller will not be back yet. He'll be eligible to come off IR after this game. So should be a similar wide receiver picture. We'll see about Parker and Preston Williams. Tua looked pretty good against the Jaguars last week. He's in the mix just outside our top 12.
1: I mean, obviously had the the plus matchup against Jacksonville, um, but Tua also finished sixth among quarterbacks in PFF passing grade last week. So it was a nice performance in his first game back. And, you know, he gets another good matchup here. Atlanta's 30th in football outsiders pass defense rankings. They're 25th in adjusted points allowed to quarterbacks. I mean, it would help Tua if he could get Devontae Parker back. I mean, I think that would make him a more interesting week seven starter.
0: Uh, we have to remember though, the PFF has some Europeans at the top of the hierarchy. So that probably <laughs> added to Tua's grading performance in that, in that game. It's fair. It's fair. Jalen Waddle, Mike Gesicki are, are solid. You have to keep in mind they have the downside risk of not getting a bunch of
1: targets, but you know, you can't really, uh, hate the situation yeah. for them heading into this week. I mean, Gesicki's like, he's top eight among tight ends in any metric you look at targets, pass routes, expected fantasy points. Um, And, yeah, even dating back to last season, like two two has been good for Gasicki. There's obviously some some chemistry there between those two guys. He's probably at least top five among tight
0: ends in uh, dunking ability and volleyball talent as well. Uh, Easy. Number one, I think. (laughs) Miles Gaskin, 14 total yards last week. So we knew that the 10 catches were a mirage. He reminded us last week. He did get six targets though, and he has seen five plus targets in five of his six games so far. Has also seen just five carries or fewer in four of his past five outings.
1: Yeah, that week four game where he only got two opportunities—that that's kind of been the outlier. Other than that, he's been around like ten to fifteen opportunities. Um, he was just super inefficient last week. I mean, five carries for nine yards, and then two catches on six targets for five yards. I mean, you're you're pro- you're going to get five to eight carries on hit, out of him. And then, you know, probably four or five, six targets. So, you know, he's an option in PPR leagues, especially um, in, in a pretty good matchup here against Atlanta, but the upside just not there because we know he's not going to get, you know, 20 opportunities in any game. Yeah. The playing
0: time was also down versus Jacksonville, but that might've just been the British to American conversion. <laughs> Philadelphia at Las Vegas, the Raiders by three over, under 49 and a half. That's up two points from where it opened Dallas Goddard is set to be the lead tight end again. So just a couple weeks after we talked about him as a sell, suddenly looks like he might be a buy, and he came off the COVID list Thursday morning, so he will be back for this game. If you combine Dallas Goddard's numbers with Zach Ertz's for this season, you have the number three tight end in PPR so far. You know, I'm not going to go ahead and project him for all of the things that both of those guys got so far, but behind Dallas Goddard on the depth chart at the position are undrafted free agent Jack Stoll. And QB conversion, the next Logan Thomas, Tyreek Jackson, who just came, Tyree Jackson, who is so new that I'm going to add a K onto his name. And he just came off of IR, so I don't even know how soon he's actually going to play football for the Eagles.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you draft a Goddard, this is exactly what you wanted. Um, and, and we saw four games of Goddard last year without Zachary. So he averaged 5.8 targets, 4.3 catches, 50 yards, and half a touchdown per game. Um, you know that that'll work. Um, Goddard and Ertz have averaged 8.3 targets per game combined this season. That's a number Goddard could get to. And his you know first game of the season without Ertz comes against Vegas, who is 30th in adjusted points allowed to tight ends, 23rd in Football Outsiders tight end coverage ranking. So you know Goddard, easy top eight tight end. You know really could be a top five tight end the rest of the way.
0: Yeah, and I'll have a trade pro- proposal. For him, I think later and when we get to the next game, actually on this list, Devontae Smith, though, sticking with the Eagles kind of is what he is at this point. There's going to be upside to him just about every yeah. week, but there's also downside every week in that the chance that his quarterback just doesn't throw him the ball and the right. chance that his quarterback doesn't have a good passing game, which was the case for nearly all of the Thursday night loss to the
1: Bucks. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, the, the usage is there for Devontae Smith, but just the, the passing game is so inconsistent. He's gonna be inconsistent. He he has he has three weekly finishes inside the top twenty seven wideouts, but the other three are wide receiver eighty six, wide receiver sixty nine, and wide receiver seventy one. So I mean you, you just got you just gotta know that, you know, he he might give you a solid week, but there's also a chance he's he's gonna kill you. Yes, there's. It's not quite
0: boom bust because I don't think he truly has the boom potential. I don't think there is really that ten to twelve target upside. Um, so it's short of boom bust, but it's like help or bust. <laughs> I like it. I think it's a similar deal with Miles Sanders. The touch shares are there, the performance is there, but the total opportunities continue to not be.
1: Exactly. I mean, you know, he he's seventh among running backs in total snaps. He's played sixty nine percent of the Eagles' snaps. Um, so he's on the field. Philly just hasn't run the ball. They're 23rd in run rate. They're 28th in situation neutral run rate. The Eagles' running backs, as a as a group, are 20 or 31st in carries. You know, only only the Dolphins, I believe, have fewer running back carries than Philly. Um, but the, the running game's been good. You know, Sirianni made a comment this week about you know I need to get Miles Sanders going a little bit. As I, I I like him this week. I think he's a good DFS tournament play, and I think you know he's someone I, I feel. Okay, about as a running back too, in fantasy lineups, the, the receive the you know the receiving stuff has been there too for Miles Sanders. He's you know top fifteen in targets and catches. He just needs you know he needs Eagles to run the ball a bit more. And if they do, then you know he he's set up to be to be pretty productive the rest of the season.
0: It's about time Nick Sirianni says that he wants to get Miles Sanders going because the last time I heard him say anything, it was like I'm actually calling more runs than you think I am. It's just that Jalen hurts <laughs> right. keeps it himself on the RPO stuff and that's garbage. So I I don't know how you could watch the Eagles offense, especially as the guy in charge of the Eagles offense and not think that they need to run the ball more because you can't just rely on this offense, throwing 60% of the time in neutral situations and winning most of its football games, which I would assume is the goal, but we'll see. You'd assume. On the on the Vegas side, the Eagles defense is now in the league's bottom half overall in DVOA. It's 12th against the pass, 25th against the run. So a soft matchup for the run game, and Josh Jacobs sits inside our top 15 both because of that and because he saw 76% of Raiders' running back carries last week. So, I mean, I, I think Josh Jacobs is already in a fair spot. I might start him over Devontae Booker even because of a favorable matchup and favorable game script.
1: Yeah, the usage for Jacobs has been – better since he came back from that injury you know obviously leading vegas in carries but also doing a bit more in the passing game he only had the one target last week but the route rate was still up around 50 percent, which is higher than it had been um he's been top 20 among running backs in expected fantasy points in in each of the last three weeks and like you said the matchup's good here so i think jacobs is a solid rb2 this week And, you know, I
0: mentioned the, the pass defense ranking 12th, that's, you know, better than their run defense, but it's also not anything that changes the outlook, I think for the Raiders offense. So I'm certainly not downgrading Derek Carr and I'm not altering my outlook for any of his pass catchers here.
1: It was a good bounce back from Carr last week, you know, coming off two disappointing games, at least from a fantasy perspective, but you know, he, he's now finished as a top 12 fantasy quarterback in four of six games this season. Um, We also saw, you know, John Gruden out last week, Greg Olson calling plays. The Raiders really boosted their play action rate, which we always like. Um, It was at 31% last week after being just 12% over the first five games of the season. So we'll see if that continues under Greg Olson.
0: Nice. I tried to get Derek Carr in my FFPC league instead of Matt Ryan, but he went for, I think, at least four times the price of what Matt Ryan did, so...
1: of stuck i yeah i mean i I think i think they're basically a toss-up this week i think i think maybe maybe i will get lucky and get the better quarterback anyways detroit lions at the la rams rams by 16 college lions on the
0: nfl slate this week over under a 50 in this game the rams carry the week's highest implied total at 33 the lions are tied with the bears for the second lowest and they're thankful that the texans are still in the league It was a nice bounce back for TJ Hawkinson last week. Eight catches, 74 yards on 11 targets against the Bengals. His playing time has remained steady while he's been managing the knee issue. He's still open this week, not practicing because of that knee, though. So it's a reminder that he's dealing with it. And really, I would be willing right now to package TJ Hawkinson in a move to get Dallas Goddard plus an upgrade at another
1: position. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would not be surprised if Goddard outscores hawkinson the rest of the way because because really you know the reason we like hawkinson is the usage you know the routes are there the targets have been there for the most part i mean he's still fourth among tight ends in targets but goddard now could get that same usage as tj hawkinson and you know what's I, I it's a better offense you know philly's a better offense I'm not saying philly's a great passing game but i like them over the lions passing game so yeah i would i would make that move too um hawkinson though, i mean he, you just have to lock him in as an every week starter like he's gonna have down games because he's playing with jared goff and he's playing in the lions but again you know he's he's top he's top six in every tight end metric you want to look at routes targets expected fantasy points so you just got to stick with him yeah i'm starting him where i have him but after the show i'm
0: going to go make at least an offer or two and hope that people aren't watching i'm on ross st brown it remains at least relevance adjacent he has eight eight and seven targets over the past three games last game yep. had five catches for 26 yards against the Bengals, doing a great chase Edmonds impression
1: yeah, I mean he's he's a volume play. There should be you know forty plus pass attempts from the Lions in this game again as massive underdogs. Amon Ross, St Brown's route rate has climbed each of the last three weeks too, is up to a season high eighty percent last week. So I mean he's he, he's there if you need him. Yeah,
0: and that's really about all that we should say for the Lions side, right?
1: Yeah, I mean DeAndre Swift locked in, Jamal Williams at this point like almost locked a out. fantasy non-factor. He's just getting phased out almost phased out completely of the passing game. And you know, even the carries are going to be volatile when you're on a bad offense. I refuse to even
0: know what Khalif Raymond's usage looks like right now. So I'm going to jump to the Rams side and there's not really not much to talk about here either. You're starting all of yep. these guys. And I think at least at some level that includes Tyler Higbee against a defense that football outsiders rates as the worst in the league in tight
1: end coverage this season. Yeah, I think, Higby to me looks like a low end tight end one moving forward. If you look at the usage, but he gets a boost in this matchup, obviously, you know, with the, with the good matchup with the high implied total, like he's, you know, one of the better touchdown bets among tight ends this week. Yes.
0: Chicago at Tampa Bay another college line with the bucks favored by 13 points over under 47, which is actually down to from where it opened. I guess they're just figuring that Tom Brady will get a little tired from all the scoring <laughs> as that game goes on on the bears side. I guess first question, is Damian Williams off the COVID list yet?
1: He's not. He's not. Um, I would expect him to get off it. And if that's the case, I try to just avoid this backfield altogether. And we know how bad of a matchup Tampa is for running backs. If, if Williams is out, though, I think Herbert then becomes an option just because, I mean, he got awesome usage last week. 89% of the snaps, all 19 running back carries. He got three targets. Like, even even against Tampa, if you can count the guy for, you know, 15 to 20 touches, Herbert would be a decent fantasy play.
0: Yeah. I, I would hope that if you need to use either of these guys, that Damien Williams is not out so that you can just use Herbert. If Williams is back, I would hope to not have to use either one. I would go ahead and start Dearness Johnson over either of them tonight, but if they are both back, I think I would personally lean Herbert just because I think there's more upside to him barring some kind of signal from Matt Nagy's coaching staff that we know what we're going to get from the Williams Herbert split heading into the game. Otherwise I mean Herbert carried ahead of got more carries than Damian Williams in the one game that they shared after David Montgomery
1: went down and then has been the one of the two to actually show some upside. Yeah I, I think Herbert is a better runner right now and it, you know we've only seen him for a couple games so it could be wrong. Um, and it you know, of course all that matters is what the Bears coaching staff thinks. My my thing is I I think Damian Williams would still get most of the passing down work. Um I don't know coaches just prefer the, the veterans in that role and he's he's been good enough in the passing game throughout his career. That, that's kind of why I'd lean towards him just because I don't think there's going to be a lot of carries to go around in this game. You know, Chicago, big underdogs. We know teams don't really try to run against uh, Tampa in general. So that you know, again, if Williams is back, try to avoid both Williams and Herbert this week. Yeah. Bucks
0: opponents are only averaging 16.4 rushing attempts per game this year. That's down six, even from last year's number, which was already the fewest in the league at 22 and a half, I think was the the average on the Bucks side, according to a pewter report, at least there was no Rob Gronkowski or Antonio Brown still at Thursday's practice. Gronk has yet to return from his litany of internal injuries. Antonio Brown has missed the past two days with an ankle injury. So we're going to have to watch him heading into the weekend. Obviously, missing either or both of them is going to boost other guys in the Tampa mm-hmm. Bay offense, including OJ Howard, who returned to practice on Thursday.
1: Okay. I was going to say, cause I know he missed Wednesday with an ankle um, even Howard though, you know, he, uh, Cameron Bray ran more routes last week than OJ Howard. Howard had the, the big game, obviously seven targets, six catches, 49 yards and a score. Um, but Bray saw four targets of his own. Uh, Bray ran a route on 65% of the dropbacks to just 44 for OJ Howard. So I would still prefer Howard among the two. Just as the, the bigger talent, but um, you know, he's he's still not a safe fantasy play, even if Rob Gronkowski remains out. And then, I, I mean, that's that's pretty much it here. Other the other guys are obvious, I think. Lenny Fournette, baby, RB one. Yeah,
0: apparently, I, Bruce I, Arians, I, by the way, laughed at the notion of trading Ronald Jones. So, for any of us who are hoping that maybe there was a Ronald Jones trade, I, it doesn't sound like it's coming for Bruce Arians.
1: Yeah, that's fine. It's, it's Fournette's backfield. <laughs>
0: Houston at Arizona Cardinals by 17 and a half. You know, like I said, we've entered the college portion of the slate over under of 47 in this game. The Cardinals have the second highest implied team total for the week at 32 and a quarter Houston. Once again, the lowest at sub 15 points for the Texan side, it's Brandon cooks and don't look at anything else on the Arizona side. I'll start with chase Edmonds because he's playing through a shoulder injury. That's going to be frustrating for anybody who's deciding whether to play him last week. He basically sat out the second half in a blowout win at Cleveland. Uh, His practice participation leading up to that game was better than the week before, but he only saw eight opportunities, and all of them were in the first half. So I think this looks like a prime opportunity for the Cardinals to do the same thing. And Mm if, you know, unless he's back to full practices by the weekend, they should have every reason to limit his exposure this weekend.
1: Yeah, and, you know, even in week five, which was a more competitive game, he saw just six carries and four targets. So I, it definitely seems to me that the shoulder is limiting his volume, and I completely agree. You know, Arizona should be up multiple scores going into the half here, and they, they could definitely rest or at least limit Edmonds in the second half. So uh, I would not try to use him. I, I do think James Conner is a, a nice play this week. I mean, he's you know he's been getting double-digit carries basically every game. He's Arizona's clear clear goal line back, and, you know, with their implied total, I think he's, he's a pretty strong touchdown bet this week. Yes, he has
0: seen 57% of his rushing attempts in the second halves of games so far this year. He has uh, five touchdowns from inside the 10-yard line versus zero for Chase Edmonds. So uh, for both of those factors, I agree on James Conner this week. DeAndre Hopkins had a nice fantasy outing last week, and he's obviously starting for you, but his target share is still way down versus last year, about eight percentage points lower. He leads the team in targets, but he's at like 19 and a half percent, which is yep. a lot different than what we're used to, which is target hog DeAndre Hopkins. It doesn't kill you; he's still going to be fine as a fantasy right. receiver, but it makes him a sell candidate because of the name and because of the history of production.
1: Yes, like, I you know I, he's not. I don't think he's going to finish as a top five fantasy wideout this year, which is, you know, about where he was drafted. I do still think he's like a lower end wide receiver one. He's getting enough volume. It's obviously, you know, one of the better offenses in the NFL. He still looks good to me, uh, but yeah. I don't think the target volume is going to change much the rest of the way, especially with Zach Earth's added to the mix now.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's only more people to spread it to behind Hopkins at wideout, by the way, AJ green, then Christian Kirk, then Rondale Moore. That's how it's gone in playing time. That's how I think I would play them for that reason in in terms of choosing who's going in my lineup
1: yep i'd agree um you know kind of looked like moore's role was growing he ran more routes than kirk last week but that flipped again in week six but moore has been getting the ball on the ground a lot lately um he has one two three and three carries over the last four games now and four of those carries have come in the red zone so they're, they're arizona scheming stuff up to get ronda Moore at the ball so his usage is like better than the playing time makes it look but um you know he's still a shaky fantasy option and of course now you know we'll see what happens to his playing time with zach Ertz here
0: and i mean increased rushing we're still talking about three carries a game plus we'll we'll see whether that changes as chase edmonds gets healthy again mm-hmm. so yep. you know it's it's reason to keep an eye on Rondale Moore to keep him stashed on your yes. roster but uh, try not to start him at this point
1: yep anything else from this game I mean, should we talk about Zach Ertz? Um, yes. So, he's just the new Max X Williams, isn't he? Well, that's 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 the question. So, I mean, Max Williams was he was like a tight end too in usage. He averaged four targets in his healthy games this season. He was twenty fourth in expected fantasy points among tight ends in those games. So, if that's the role Zach Ertz is playing, then he's you know a spot starter that you're kind of hoping for a touchdown from. We'll see if you know they view Zach Ertz as better than Max Williams, you know, get him a bigger role in the offense. And, you know, in that case, he could be someone who's like a lower end tight end one just because this offense is so good.
0: Zach Ertz is definitely a bigger name than Max Williams, even though uh, that one's more fun to say, but they traded a cornerback who couldn't even crack their rotation of weak cornerbacks and a sixth round pick. So they were like, fine Eagles, if you don't want Zach Ertz anymore, we will give you a half eaten sandwich for him
1: and he can fill in for the younger guy that just went down for us. Yeah, Williams actually had a higher PFF receiving grade than Zach Ertz this season, you know, in, in you know, four or five games or whatever it was for Williams. On to Indianapolis at San Francisco on Sunday night, the
0: 49ers by four, over under 44. T.Y. Hilton is unsure for this game after hurting a quad in his first game back was out of practice Wednesday. Do we know anything about him for Thursday
1: yet? No, I haven't seen uh, anything on his practice participation on Thursday. I I'd, I'd be surprised if he plays, though, you know, just coming off an injury then he suffers a you know a soft tissue injury i would expect him to miss this game
0: yeah so we'll see how
1: this one goes paris
0: campbell landed on ir with an injury of his own uh that's only noteworthy because it's another wide receiver missing it makes michael yeah. Pittman even easier to start in this game against san francisco i think all of it also puts zach pascal into play in wide receiver four territory if ty hilton is out for the game
1: yeah i would definitely go back to Pittman. um you know season low three targets for him last week but Carson Wentz only threw it 20 times. That that, that was the concern for Pittman last week is just, you know, would Indy have to throw it against Houston? But, um, you know, Pittman should go back to dominating targets, especially with Hilton and Paris Campbell out. And I I think, you know, Wentz throws it more than 20 times on Sunday night.
0: Yeah, and Pittman still played more than Hilton. So it could even just be a bad luck thing with him not leading the team in targets Mm -hmm. for that one. Maybe it's a positive game script for Naheem Hines, but – The Colts have lost four games already this year, and Naheem Hines has only been PPR relevant in two of them. So don't count on it being a Naheem Hines game. He also has yet to be relevant in a game where Marlon Mack has played. Mack has played in four games so far, and in those four games, uh, Hines has seen a total of seven targets and 11 carries versus 15 carries and
1: 14 targets in just the two games that Marlon Mack did not play. Jonathan Taylor's route rate is also climbing. Um, The last three weeks, it's gone 35%, then 42%, then 61% last week. So we'll see if that trend continues. But that's obviously eating away at what Naheem Hines does. It's kind of curious why they bothered to go ahead and pay Naheem Hines
0: when they did. I guess it's nice. You know, I don't dislike it because it's a guy getting money for what he's done so far. But (laughs) kind of a curious decision by the team, given how they've used him since then. Agreed. On the Niners side, oh, and I mean, if anybody's wondering, I'm not playing a Colts tight end unless I'm held at gunpoint and forced to do so.
1: Like well, Cox, he scores again last week, but you know, still just 39% of the pass routes. They're 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 just they're just not gonna give him the role we need him to be in to be able to trust him.
0: Yeah, if you want to bet on Moali Tunyon, then you can, but I'm not going to. On the Niners side, no trail answer Wednesday practice. Meanwhile, Kyle yeah. Shanahan sounds optimistic at Jimmy Garoppolo being ready to play this week, coming off of his calf issue. Seems like Jimmy Garoppolo will reclaim the starting job as long as his calf is ready to go. And I honestly wouldn't feel the need to cling to Trey Lance in any one quarterback leagues. I've certainly seen some folks who, who seem like they want to, but I I don't think there's ultimate ceiling to Trey Lance this year.
1: I mean, there's still ceiling. If he gets on the field, I just, I I'm with you. I don't, Think he's gonna, unless Garoppolo gets hurt again. Like, you know, Shanahan's kind of been saying Lance isn't ready, and everything we, we've seen, I, I kind of think that's true. He's just not there as a passer yet. Um, yeah, so I'm with you. I think Lance is droppable. I think Garoppolo is going to start Sunday night. Um, that, that's good news for, for Debo Samuel. I think it's going to be mean more passing out of San Francisco, more accurate passes from Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, it's a good matchup here, too. The, the Colts, by the way, um, first in football outsiders run defense rankings 29th against the pass. So that's about as, as pass funnily of a defense as you can get.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you want to say that it's good news for pass catchers, but that really is just Debo Samuel at this point, because Brandon Ayuk has one game of more than two catches, George Kittle still on IR. So it's, it's Debo and and really nothing else. The backfield got Elijah Mitchell back in week five before last week's bye. he saw 90% of the halfback carries in that game and both, of the targets for the position. So I think he is a volume-based starting option this week. I would start Elijah Mitchell over Dearness Johnson, for example.
1: Yep, me too. Um, 68% of the snaps for Mitchell in his return in week five. Uh, Again, the matchup's tough. Um, Indy's fourth in adjusted points allowed to running backs. But I mean, if if this Niners running game is going, they can can run on anyone.
0: I do think, for that reason, I think Trey Sermon, who has been dropped in some places now, remains stashable if you can afford to do so. He got dropped actually in my main event league and got claimed for like $508 or something like that. Wow.
1: I would not spend $508 on him, but he should definitely be owned. I mean, I think Sermon and Ayuk should be owned just to see what their roles are coming out of the bye week. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't feel like either
0: one is somebody you can't drop if you really need that spot for somebody. But if you have a spot to play with and you're like, well, I'm going to hold Marlon Mack just in case he gets traded, I would definitely rather have either Brandon Ayuk or Trey Sermon. Agreed. Uh, Jeff Wilson's another name that's kind of been bouncing around, but the last I saw is the Niners still don't expect him back until late November. So really, nobody knows for for sure at this point if he's going to be relevant to their
1: offense at all this season. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's still Jeff Wilson. Like I, I get it, but yeah, I, I think they like Elijah Mitchell and, you know, we'll see if sermon can get it going. He is Jeff Wilson jr. At least he's
0: younger than the actual Jeff sure. Wilson,
1: sure.
0: new Orleans saints at Seattle Seahawks to close out the week in almost the crappiest way possible. Really some, some garbage bookends with uh, Cleveland Denver tonight <laughs> and new Orleans, Seattle on Monday night for this weekend, but we'll hit the game because there are guys playing it. Saints are five-point favorites on the road. That's up one and a half from where it opened and over under 43 points. The Saints did designate Traquan Smith to return this week from IR. Ian Rappaport, however, says that Michael Thomas is still, quote, multiple weeks from returning. So we'll see about any further updates on that. We'll also see whether Smith is actually ready to play this week Mm because just because he's returning from IR, just because he's being activated from there, Or designated to return doesn't mean that he's necessarily on the active roster yet
1: yeah we'll see about that you know shouldn't be in your plans anyway I I think Marquez Callaway is the one Saints receiver to talk about his production the past few weeks has just been fluky I mean he he caught the Hail Mary he had a couple other long touchdowns he is still just 87th among wide receivers in our expected fantasy points Um, this this Saints team just doesn't want to pass if they don't have to I'm not sure they're going to have to pass much in this game against Geno Smith and the Seahawks I mean it's a good matchup for Callaway, you know, the Seahawks secondary is not good. Um, but you know, he he still comes with a super low floor because you, you could just get, you know, eighteen pass attempts out of the Saints any game.
0: Yeah, he doesn't rate well in expected fantasy points, but he's behind only Donovan Peoples-Jones in unexpected fantasy points.
1: Four catches,
0: 85 yards, two touchdowns his last time out on eight targets for Callaway. That's the first game of more than five targets for him this year. And those numbers bring his season averages up to 2.6 receptions and 44.4 yards per game. So I guess it's up to you whether that belongs in your week seven lineup. Really, it's just Alvin Kamara and nothing else on the Saints side uh, until, at least until Michael Thomas comes back. Yep. On the Seahawks side, no practice report yet because they're playing Monday night. So the first one will come out Thursday. I think the biggest thing that we're looking for there is the participation of Alex Collins, who came away from he, he left the Sunday night game late with hip slash glute injuries. I don't know exactly what the deal is there, but we'll see about his participation this week. And it might be even more interesting because Pete Carroll says that Rashad Penny will be quote back to full speed this week, whatever his full speed looks like at this point.
1: Yeah. Uh, Collins looked ran. He ran it really well against Pittsburgh. I mean, I you know that's a tough matchup. I didn't like him much last week, but he, he was impressive. Um, we'll see about him and Penny. I mean, if both those guys are active, it, it, you know, it's, it, it's a going to be a tough situation, especially in, in a pretty tough matchup against the saints. Like I would try not to use either guy um, and just kind of see what, what the, workload split looks like if you get Collins without Penny or Penny without Collins. And I think, you know, that guy becomes like an RB 2
0: Yeah, I agree with all of that. Chris Carson, of course, is currently on IR. So we'll see how soon he can come back. And if Geno Smith is not killing DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, he is at least holding their heads underwater until they start struggling.
1: So, so Geno had 104 air yards last week. That was the lowest by any team all season you know, there, there was just no opportunity for these, for these wide receivers to do anything. Uh, Matt finished finished the week 46th among wide receivers and expected fantasy points. Tyler Lockett was wide receiver 55 in expected fantasy points. Um, you know, the, 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 saints have actually struggled against wide receivers. They're 28th in adjusted points allowed to wide receivers. Um, but man, that was a good matchup against Pittsburgh last week too. And both these guys just dis- disappointed. So, I mean, they Matt and Lockett are, are like, I, I'd i call them benchable. I don't know. Teams probably can't this week with all the teams on by, but they, to me, they're, they are not must-starts with Geno Smith in there.
0: I agree. I think I sat Tyler Lockett for somebody. But I can't remember. Actually, I think I was about to sit him and then realized that the other guy was on <laughs> by and still thought hard <laughs> about it. 104 air yards. That's like what Patrick Mahomes throws underhand each
1: week. Cor- Cortland Sutton had like 240-something by himself last week.
0: <laughs> Wait, they should play Cortland Sutton or maybe even Kendall Hinton at quarterback instead of Geno Smith this week. Exactly. That's going to do it for this week seven preview edition of the podcast. Head over to draftsharks.com now to see our full week seven rankings to help you finalize your lineup decisions. Check out the My Teams page for customized lineup recommendations and help with the free agent finder. You can also find us anytime in the free DraftSharks Discord. You can find the link to join there in the description for this podcast, wherever you might be consuming it. For Jared Smola and the rest of the DraftSharks crew, I'm Matt Schaff saying thanks so much for some with us.